the bulletin. Well, we always like to get uh, Andrew Gordy on a Wednesday. It just seems an appropriate day to have Gord's on, actually, with so much going on this week as well, uh, even though the All Blacks are having a bit of a breather for uh, a few days. Um, but uh, the Warriors are back on show, of course, and uh, the Commonwealth Games is the hottest item in town. Well, it's not going to be in anyone's town soon, by the sound of things. Uh, Andrew Gordy, uh, what did you make of this announcement and uh, the reasoning behind it, and is it justified? Morning, Smithy. Morning to all the listeners. Um, I think the, look, I mean, I'm not uh, an expert quite clearly. I'm not managing this for the Victorian government. But you look at some of the numbers that were quoted yesterday by Dan Andrews, and this, this a remarkable figure of $7 billion just seems like a, a, an absolute farce, doesn't it? And you're wondering who's, who's doing the numbers for the Victorian government, that if they think it's going to cost $7 billion to put on a Commonwealth Games, um, you just got to be wondering what sort of people they've in place running this show but look I mean the point is they've pulled the pin and look it's better to do it now rather than a year's time or, or something like that at least there's, there's time now for the Commonwealth Games Federation to figure out a plan B or potentially a plan C we'll, we'll wait and see but it's embarrassing isn't it and it's such a terrible look I think for an event which is really struggling for relevance uh, as, as we move on you know the Commonwealth Games over over the years obviously Smithy and, and you know you and I both know this very well have, have served up some incredible moments um, but they, they really are struggling for relevance in, in the 21st century I think I mean even when you look at the Olympic Games for example you know the IOC is struggling to find host cities for the Olympic Games because every city in the world knows that the cost and it's not $7 billion, so let's, let's make that very clear. But the costs associated with building the infrastructure required to put on a, an event of the scale and size of either a Commonwealth Games or an Olympic Games is so vast that the long-term impact is just, it's just not viable. And so now, I think, even for the Olympic Games, we're going to see, essentially, that, that event travel to only the world's biggest cities because they are the ones who have the not just the infrastructure in terms of the uh, sporting venues, but, but transport, hotels, all of that other sort of infrastructure that's required. Um, and when you're looking at Victoria, for example, you know, the reasons behind why they wanted it to be in Victoria wasn't just going to be in Melbourne, obviously. It was, it was for the entire state. That is actually a really bold strategy from the get-go. And who knows, maybe that's actually part of the reason why the cost has soared to such a degree. But look, at the end of the day, Smithy, like Kieran Smith said yesterday, it's it's pretty rogue. It's it's pretty disappointing, obviously, to say the least, and disrespectful, I think, to to the to the Commonwealth Games Federation. But I, I like I say, I think the Commonwealth Federation needs to take a good hard look at themselves and go, is this actually an event that we can continue to put on? I know Birmingham was successful, but it is really going to struggle for relevance, and we're going to keep having this conversation every four years. It's, it's an interesting one for me. Uh, can you, off the top of your head, Andrew, can you uh, remember what it's going to cost to build the new stadium in Christchurch? Off the top of your head? Oh, well, I, I, I'm struggling to remember, Smith, because I'm pretty sure it's rising by the day. Um, but it's, it's, it's not cheap, put it that way. But um, relative to putting on a Commonwealth Games, I mean, or, yeah, I mean I'm sure we could look it up um, briefly, but I mean, it's, it was sort of heading into sort of $600 million, I think, wasn't it? That sort of re- 
roughly. Yes, um, that's right. And obviously yeah. it's long overdue for Christchurch. I, th- I think it's roughly in that sort of vicinity. I'm sure one of your listeners is going to call me out on that and, and please please mm. text in and let us know. But, um, yeah, look, putting on sporting events is not cheap, right? But infrastructure for sporting events is not cheap. And so, really, you know, you're looking at... Uh, these events only being held in places where the infrastructure already exists. And that's what I find, I suppose, I struggle to understand about Victoria because Melbourne is one of the sporting cities in the world. How do they not already have the infrastructure? And, and if they, well, they quite clearly do, where is the rest of this money coming from? Um, yeah, I, I think Dan Andrews and, and the Victorian government probably need to explain how they, how they reach that figure because, you know, you might find that there's been some pretty creative accounting there, perhaps. Very interesting. Very, I was just thinking if you spread, uh, say, okay, they said $2 billion initially, so the blowout's $5 billion. I just wondered, the, and there's five uh, venues, uh, five venues that they say will be hosting, but not all of them would require a, a billion dollars worth of input, you would think. I'm talking Geelong here, Bendigo, Ballarat, Gippsland, and Shepparton. Well, one of them would have uh, the main stadium, whether that be Geelong or, or uh, Bendigo, the, of the two bigger ones, but... There wouldn't be a billion dollars worth of development around the rest, you wouldn't think, uh, if you averaged it out, would there? Well, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have thought so. But, but I suppose that comes back to the point, isn't it, Smithy? Like, if they wanted to take on this ambitious project of hosting the Commonwealth Games across the entire state, rather than centralising it in Melbourne, I suppose when you stop and think about it, that is going to cost more, isn't it? Because if you take, like, you know, I'm just trying to think, if, if uh, let's say the Auckland to do that, but they wanted to host games up in. Uh, you know, as, as far you know, further south and, and as far north um, as the the sort of city limit, I suppose the super city limits allow. Well, then yes, probably those a lot of those venues on the periphery, uh, you you are going to have to put investment into those because they simply won't be up to standard. But if you centralise everything and utilise the the I suppose the uh, the facilities, the infrastructure that already exists, well, that's how you're going to keep your costs down. And I suppose if the Victorian government was looking at this as an opportunity to just simply upgrade all the facilities that they have across the entire state, well, it was kind of doomed from the start, wasn't it? Mm, it was. It was doomed from the start. I, I'm not quite sure whether you know they didn't take enough notice, or whether there was just a sort of a, a background thing for the, the state government, or and now that it's come to this point. Uh, whether the concern has been there. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, talk about another event that has uh, spread uh, far and wide around two countries, the FIFA Women's World Cup. We are on the eve of it. So uh, what expectations now uh, when you th- look at all the teams being named? The draws are obviously been finalised quite some time ago. And New Zealand against Norway. How, impos- uh, how uh, important, shall I say? I was going to say impossible. But how important is a result? And I mean a good one for New Zealand here. Look, Smithy, uh, I'm going to try and sort of divide this um, this answer for you because I think from the from the football ferns' point of view, yeah, of course, a, a result is, is really important. And you know, we certain, this team has obviously struggled, you know, over, over recent years, and we can't expect that the football ferns are going to put on the type of performance that um, that, for example, the Black Ferns did, and, and they swept up the nation with them as they as they went in on to win the World Cup, uh, the Rugby World Cup, obviously last year on home soil. You know, I think New Zealand fans understand that's not going to happen this time. You know, this is a this is a different event, and and the football fans' place in the in the in the uh, world of women's sport, I suppose, and women's football is is not the same as the black fans. So, you're not going to watch New Zealand win this World Cup. All you can really hope for, I think, is they're going to they're going to do themselves proud. They're going to hopefully secure a, 
couple of points, maybe even a win. That would be uh, an outstanding success, I think, for Yitka Konkova's team. Um, but I want to separate that because for the fans, because just because the New Zealand team won't win this World Cup doesn't mean that the fans shouldn't engage with it. And I suppose I am a little bit concerned about some of the mixed messages that are coming through. You know, on one hand, you're hearing like ticket sales are going really great, but then on another hand, they're giving them away. So I think that was probably always going to happen. And I think FIFA, FIFA is not going to allow this event to look terrible on television, right? They're going to give tickets away. They're going to make sure that clubs and schools get involved in this and that they're, they're down there at the stadiums, you know, making sure that there's a legacy for this, for this event. Um, but Smitty, this is a world-class sporting event and the football that you're going to see played is going to be of an outstanding level. So I really just hope that New Zealanders get around that and they don't just, you know, look at perhaps the performance of the football fans if, if they don't, you know, manage to overachieve in this tournament. I hope that they, the fans don't dip out with the football fans because, honestly, some of the, some of the talent, some of the teams, the players that are on display um, here, it's, it really is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I just hope people understand that. And, and I suppose I kind of look at it like the America's Cup. The America's Cup is kind of one of those events that... No one cares about until it's on. And when it's on, everyone is mad for it. And I really hope that that's what we see with the Women's World Cup um, over, the, over the next month or so. And I, I think when these games start and when people sort of witness the hype, and, and it's special, it is special hosting a FIFA event because, you know, even seeing it on TV, it always has the same look about it, right? It's got, it's got that different sort of feel about it. So I hope that New Zealanders, you know, pack out that stadium for the first game on Thursday night because the football fans really deserve that. Um, and it'll be fantastic to see a packed out Eden Park for, for such an occasion. And I just hope that that sets the tone for the rest of the tournament because, yeah, it would be, it would be a real shame uh, for Kiwis to, to ignore such a, a brilliant opportunity. I agree. Totally agree. Uh, yeah. Can't read too much uh, into it. Just look at it as the spectacle of, uh, as they call it, uh, the beautiful game. Um, just finally, uh, the beautiful game of cricket uh, unfolds again, yet again. Uh, Ashes number four tonight at Old Trafford. The first time in 102 test matches that Australia have not picked a specialist spinner. Can you believe? I cannot believe that. I, I cannot believe that at all. But look, who am I to argue with the Australians? Like, that, I mean, I know that England obviously won the last test in the series, and thank God they did. Otherwise, this um, this series would have been a real damp, damp squib, wouldn't it? But you know, you look at Australia; they you can't argue with the smooth. They are right on top of the game at the moment. They've, they've you know they've managed to recover from pretty grim sort of period in their history obviously I, I, I just think the world of Pat Cummins I think he's he's an outstanding bloke outstanding leader I think he's a leader for a moment for Australia if that makes sense um, he's not your traditional Australian cricket captain but I think he's 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 a, an Australian cricket captain for the 21st century and, and for what this this team kind of needs now I love the way he goes about his business and, and equally you know I love the way that Ben Stokes and, and, and England go about their business as well and I'm glad that we've got a contest at least going into uh, the last two um, you know matches of this Ashes series. Um, one thing I did want to mention this Smithy um, and it's sort of I, I don't know I, I, this is just something that I thought really really stuck out to me obviously we've had the women's Ashes going on um, over the last you know sort of few few weeks as well and Ben Stokes in his press conference overnight he, in his quote, he said, this has the potential to be the best men's Ashes series ever. Now, I'm just wondering, when have you ever heard either an Australian or England's men's cricket captain refer to it as the men's Ashes? And I just wonder just 
uh, in a very subtle way, just what a significant kind of moment that is for for the game of cricket um, internationally. You know, to hear the England men's captain refer to it as the men's ashes, I just think that's a really, uh, like I say, a very subtle but significant moment for the sport and, you know, for one that is obviously, um, you know, going to great lengths, obviously, to try and do what it can to improve and support the women's game. Um, I know that the England Cricket Board, obviously, in particular, have been putting an enormous amount of investment into, into women's cricket. And, um, you know, it's obviously a huge potential growth area for, for the sport. Um, and I, I just think that's a, a great move from Ben Stokes. And I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see if Pat Cummins does the same. Yep, me too. Um, and you're right. Um, and uh, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's the right phrase, the Ashes, or whether they should be playing for, for something else, I, I do not know. But at the moment, that, that is exactly where it's at. And it is getting uh, due respect, as you also do, uh, Andrew Gordy, from us. Uh, every time you answer your phone, so thanks very much. Uh, have a ter- have a terrific day, mate. Uh, can't wait for that uh, Women's World Cup and the Ashes. Oh, what a feast! Absolute feast, and then of course, uh, you know, it is it's staggering in the Open Championship tonight as well. Uh, cheers, uh, Andrew Gordy. There, have a, a really cool day, Gords.